Greetings. Welcome to our humble haunt. I am your ghost host, and these two unfortunate souls are my assistants. What are you looking at? You never saw a talking corpse before. Oh, they look delicious. Gentlemen, please, mind your manners. We have guests. Pardon them, they don't get out much. Now, for everyone's enjoyment and personal safety, there are a few simple rules. Anyone caught breaking these rules will be promptly escorted off the premises. Where you may end up is anyone's guess. <laughs> As our dead uncle likes to say, touch nothing and, and nothing will touch you. <laughs> Lastly, Enjoy your visit. It may be your last. <laughs> Can we eat them now? I haven't seen anything so appetizing in centuries. Thank you for coming. And from all of us spooks to all of you. Folks, this is another Tuesday night, and you're here with the Kentucky Ghost Hunter coming to you live from Centertown, Kentucky. Population we hope for somebody someday. Uh, Going to be a very tiresome night for me tonight. We had a little incident happen at the homestead. We had a coyote visit last night, probably about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. He's done it twice now. Gave a big howl next to the house, and, well, that doesn't go good when you've got uh, wolves that we raise here, and we've also got big old English masses, about five of them. So the whole neighborhood went into a ruckus over a little coyote. So, Kevin... My co-host, Kevin Quammen. Kevin, you may have to take over here a little bit sometimes. I fall asleep, buddy. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hey, tonight's guest, we got, we're going to have a heck of a show tonight, folks. But, you know, next week's going to be even a better show. And the only reason I'm saying that is because it is our annual debate. It's the Halloween debate-off between those who do believe in the paranormal and those who do not believe in the paranormal. Um, next week's guest is actually going to be Ben Davis. He has a Ph.D. He has a... a a, a Facebook page called Ask Dr. Ben, and he is 100% anti-paranormal. Uh, he's even went to some ghost hunts with some other groups and experienced some of the things they did. He does not believe in it. He says he can debunk everything. And then, of course, they've got the groups and stuff that will be joining our side as far as people that do believe in the paranormal, so we're going to go from there. But I uh, want to say hello to our guest, Brian Bonner and, and Augie Nost. Brian, you do us a favor and tell everybody about yourself, buddy. Uh, good question. Uh, been investigating the paranormal, well, officially 20 years with Rocky Mountain Paranormal and pushing almost 30 years, unfortunately, uh, in and out. So, all playing in the paranormal and still going at it. Sounds good. And Augie, you sent me some stuff in about yourself, man. You have done so much. I mean, you're a pilot. You've had a couple shows. You've been in some documentaries. You know, in less than two hours, tell us about yourself. Oh boy, uh, I don't know where to start. I uh, 
I started a long time as a baby. Ha, oh, that was funny. Uh, born and raised in Europe. And Northern Europe, up in Norway, where we have uh, polar bears for pets, you know. And uh, then uh, about 25 years old, I came to the United States to become a commercial pilot. And I did that, and I flew for 23 years, and I started doing other things, and uh, exploring the mine, and the paranormal, and UFOs, and um, radio shows, TV shows, and, uh, you know, and here I am. I'm having a blast, the best time of my life. Now, you're going to have to tell us about your paranormal show because uh, I've, I've read some stuff about it. Now, you've actually been involved in some documentaries, that's correct? Yeah, yeah, I've done a few of those. Tell us about them, buddy. Uh, well, one of them is, uh, it's, uh, it's on actually on uh, uh, Amazon Prime. It's called Aliens and Agenda 21. I'm sitting here looking at the v uh, DVD, actually. And uh, that goes into a little more than just the paranormal. It uh, talks about the normal, too, that uh, we're not supposed to know about when it comes to what governments and what, uh, you know, the industrial complex is doing. And it gets a little sensitive. So uh, I had really a lot of fun doing that one. And uh, I'm just going to leave it out there for people to uh, see what they think. That's cool. Now, Brian, let me ask you a quick question. I'm going to go back and forth to you guys all night long, probably. But, Brian, uh, I, I got a question for you because your picture, I got one picture where um, you're in your uniform, you're a paranormal. It looks like another picture that you sent is you got long hair and, and everything else. Well, what's that? Is that something you're doing? or? <laughs> uh, no, that's just kind of the way it's been, well, probably about the past 20 years. Uh, I think the one that you look uh, at is Maybe a Skype profile picture. Um, I'm a horror movie buff, and that's the uh, cube from Hellraiser that I was holding in the picture. How it ended up as my profile picture, I don't even remember. But <laughs> well, I know when I saw it, I was like, "Wow, is he a witch?" <laughs> different so tell me what your group does out there, but I know you do paranormal no, investigations and all that good stuff, but you also have, uh, you know, UFO conspiracy theories, the whole works. So what, what all does your, does your group just do paranormal stuff? They do more. We will look into anything paranormal, supernatural. We've gone from ghosts to UFOs to, to testing people that claim that they have paranormal abilities, uh, Anything that seems a little unusual, we're more than willing to look and see what we can find out about it. Now, do you have any examples out there of stuff you've done recently that might scare somebody's pants off? <laughs> uh, most of the stuff that we've used has been kind of local. I can give you some highlights. Um, a couple of the places that we've investigated that uh, might ring some bells. Uh, Stanley Hotel is a big one. Uh, there's a place called Cheeseman Park here, which uh, Geist and several other movies have kind of uh, spawned from the stories off of it. And just lots of local private in as well. So, Augie, what do you guys do? I know you've done paranormal stuff besides television programs. Are you involved in any investigations or anything like that? Or are you just uh, basically doing the uh, podcast and stuff at this point? Well, I'm mostly doing the podcast and my two radio shows now, but uh, I've been involved in UFO investigations and uh, and I've had my uh, you know 
I've well over 10,000 hours of flight time logged, and uh, when you fly that much, you see stuff that really shouldn't be there. And uh, when I talk to pilots, uh, it seems like uh, they don't really want to talk about it much, but if you get them off to the side, and it's just you and that one pilot, and you ask them heart to heart, you know, what they've seen, half of them admit that they have seen stuff in the sky that really shouldn't be there because Newtonian physics cannot explain it. Hey, you know, I'm going to have to ask you, experiences you personally had with the UFO stuff, I know it's not ghost stuff for you folks that are part of the ghost part of it, but UFOs are paranormal too. Um, let me put this, let me rephrase that. To me, they're not paranormal, they're, they're actual things. I believe there's UFOs out there, but it's still categorized in the paranormal world. But to tell some of your personal experiences with the UFOs. Well, first of all, the definition of UFO is unidentified flying object. That could be absolutely anything. That could be an airplane at a distance where, from the side where you don't see the wings. It just looks like a cigar flying through the air. It could be that. But many of them are of uh, a little more exotic nature. And uh, you ask for a specific um, incident. I have one where I was flying from Omaha. I was flying, uh, flying an air ambulance down to the burn center in Houston. And uh, we were going in and out of the clouds in a King Air about probably 24, 26,000 feet over Kansas. And uh, we uh, were flying along, me and a co-pilot, and uh, we were just uh, very quickly, I could see something coming out from the corner of my my left eye and moving straight across at our altitude. And it was a long black cigar. And it appears uh, from the distance to the cloud that was around it that may have been about five miles ahead of us. And that thing was going so fast <clears throat> that... Uh, it was hard to keep your eyes on it. It was just uh, probably from the time I saw it on my left off the periphery until it disappeared on the right was about three seconds. And uh, I sat after it was gone, I just sat there numb for a little bit and I looked over at the co-pilot and he looked at me and I asked him, did you see that? And he looked at me for a second more, and then he looked straight ahead, did not say a thing. And I brought it up one more time to him, and uh, nothing. And, of course, I did think about that later on, and he was a born-again Christian. And, you know, if it isn't in the Bible, you know, it's either a demon or something from the dark side, so he didn't want to talk about it. So I can understand that, but we both saw it. Otherwise, I wouldn't. His face would not have looked the way it looked if he hadn't seen it. I I know that. Let me ask you a question, real quick, Augie, because there are a lot of pilots. I've, you know, I've talked to pilots too. That uh, not on the program here, of course, but I've talked to a few of them in my time that have seen stuff, but they really don't report it. And what's I mean. I guess that people would think they were crazy or something like that. Being a pilot, and you just said you talk to people that have seen stuff. Is there a lot of pilots out there that see things that just don't report it? And if they don't report it, why don't they? Oh, there's an awful lot of pilots that see stuff because uh, I've seen them. And other pilots out there, they see it too. But they normally do not talk about it. Now, that is changing a little bit later. In years or decades past, uh, when a pilot starts saying, especially for the airlines, they uh, pulled him aside and said, look here, you know, you're not going to talk about this or we're going to fire your butt. And uh, 
a lot of them did get fired for talking about it. So that rumor got around, and that's why a lot of pilots did not talk about it. But it's changing now. I can see that uh, many more pilots are talking about it, and they're filing reports on it because of the more openness among the uh, the listening or the viewing community to these kinds of concepts. So it is not just that bad to talk about anymore. It's coming out. There will be an opening of the veil here very shortly, and boy, oh boy, will that be an exciting time. As a pilot, are most of the, the sightings, are, the, are they the cigar-shaped stuff, or is there other things they've reported? Because I know what you're talking about. I've seen reports of the cigar-shaped thing. It's not an yeah. uncommon thing here for pilots to see that. But is there other things out there they've seen? Uh, they're mostly not cigars. They're more like disc-shaped thing, uh, kind of like the ones that the German uh, Nazi Empire created uh, during the you know Second World War. But I had one in. Uh, I was out teaching flying in northern Nebraska on a um, training flight, about probably about five thousand feet above the ground, and this disc, uh, kind of like oblong disc-shaped uh, thing, flew underneath the airplane of me probably about 400 foot below me, and it came from in about 45 degrees to my right, just underneath the airplane and disappeared out on the left side. And it was probably going about the same speed as I was doing, which probably was about 160 miles an hour in that training airplane. Now, Brian, you guys also investigate UFOs out there. Do you have stories like this that you've investigated, or what instances have you found with your group about UFOs? Well, most of the ones that we've done have been after the fact of trying to figure out if there was actually any rational explanation of what was happening. And strangely enough, the ones that we've been called into, we've been able to come up with some actual answers to what they were. Um, we've had a couple of them. I've got two that I'd say are kind of my favorites, though. Uh, it was July the 4th, the family had just finished uh, going out and seeing the new Independence Day movie and we're so they went home and saw these weird lights in the sky that they just seemed to hang there and then they'd move around a little bit then they'd hang and they'd move around a little bit and they got a hold of the local media and said you know they're invading of these things you know what do you think they are actually enough and I, I really don't know. Luck really had to come into it. I had a recording of them, too. It turns out that there was a team of uh, professional paratroopers that had uh, fireworks attached to their feet. And they were all blowing around at different speeds, which made some of the most bizarre-looking lights in the sky. So, you know, explain And... Another one, not too far from where I'm at, uh, we were having some really, really bad wildfires in the area. And one night, this past no doubt was, was seen moving very slowly uh, above a small town. And it took research, but what we ended up finding is there was an amazing headwind uh, just wildfire season and also smoke in the area which was kind of you know killing the site as 
far as how far we could actually see. And what we discovered is there was a lake just outside of this town into it just before dusk. So it was flying really low, it was fighting the head visually. It looked like it was just barely moving. And we actually ended up on a, a newscast about this with the uh, local MUFON representative. And, you know, after talk first, he was saying, you know, we have absolutely no idea what it was. We called and they didn't have anything. But after a little explanation, he said, oh, well, you know, that really does explain what it is. And that's been one of the things that we've tried to do is, you know, we want to make sure when we say we think we found something or we don't know what this is, try and figure out to the best of our ability, is it explainable? So uh, most of the investigations you've went to as far as UFOs, then you're telling us that you found explanations for it. Is there any out there you haven't been able to find explanations for, maybe? Well, and you know, it kind of goes into that with all of our paranormal stuff. There's a lot that we haven't been able to find an explanation for. And, you know, it's kind of stretches to two explanations. Either A, we weren't there. There's no way for us to even go into trying to figure out what it is. And especially when you get into some of the more, you know, quote, paranormal stuff, a lot of it's personal experience. And there's no way that you can what it was. So being able to tell people, I just don't know what it is, is something that, you know, we kind of come to accept as an answer. So when you let me when you get into paranormal, now let's go back to paranormal and spirits and ghosts and all that because you guys do investigate that too. And there's Kevin and his group at Stone uh, Stone Creek Preternatural. They're very animate about sending in their evidence to somebody else to pr- disprove it or, or get a second opinion on it. Um, you guys at your group, I know that you are very s- serious about making sure that the evidence you present has been debunked or verified one way or the other. How do you guys go about doing that? What's your what do you do with that? Well, once we come up with something that, you know, obviously to us we can't explain, we will call in experts that we think might be able to analyze whatever the results are. And that's ranged to a strange degree of different fields of of practice. We've had physicists, we've had geologists, we've had the cancer apologists, we've had if you can think of some sort of a you would think that it would apply to the paranormal. We've called them in because of strange results. And, you know, initially we said we're not the experts. We just know how to bring people together and try to come up with the right answers. But I'll say after we've definitely too, so while we may not be, we definitely to have some ideas. Okay. Now, Augie, I'm going to have to go to you on this. Now, you've been doing this a long time, man. We're going to talk about spirits and stuff here, too, with you. You believe in them, and if you do believe in them, what do you, what, what's your take on it as far as paranormal is concerned? Well, first of all, I would say I don't believe. I know there is a difference. The thing about that, there is an old saying, and that is that for the ones 
that have not had the experience, no explanation is possible. But for the ones that have had the experience, no explanation is necessary. So if we look at that concept right there, that uh, professor that you mentioned, that he said he can debunk absolutely everything. Well, that's what he says. That's what he says. I know there's one thing he can't debunk, and if he went and did it himself, he will probably one of the be one of the people that you mentioned earlier that will have his pants scared off. Because there is a way, but you can see ghosts just about every day if you set yourself upright. And uh, let me tell you quick, a quick little 45-second story. Uh, but in the mid-60s, there was a guy in France. Uh, he was down in the Toulouse, France area. He took pictures of ghosts every time he went out. Well, how did he do that? Well, I'll explain it. He, had, he went to the graveyard. He set up his equipment right by a fresh grave. And the equipment was a Tesla coil. And then he walked away about 20 feet and started taking pictures. Very often he could see the guy that was put in the ground. He was either sitting on the ground on top, he was walking around, and he could take pictures of him. And he lived in a small town in the southern France. And, uh, of course, you know, <laughs> uh, the Bible was very important back in uh, those days in France. And the people in town, they got scared and they thought he was working with Satan, of course. So they ran him out of town. They almost killed the guy. But this is the equipment he used to take pictures of ghosts just about every time he went to the graveyard. And uh, there is another way you can see them. And that is get your hands on a fourth generation night vision goggles. Because um, these night vision goggles, they will allow you to see higher up into the light specter than what your eyes can do. And uh, let me ask the other guest here, uh, I think it's Kevin, he uh, has you, have you ever used a fourth generation night vision goggles? No, I have not. Oh, you need to. You need to. Um, if you go outside at night, <coughs> lay down in a hammock or something and point that thing into the sky, you will see it. there's almost like a traffic jam up there. There is ships, there's stuff going back and forth. And you can see them as cigars, you can see them as uh, triangles, you can see them as lights in the sky, it's just zipping back and forth. And uh, in fact, Art Bell did a show with one, um, no, that wasn't Art Bell, that was uh, George Norrie. He um, did a show on that because somebody had shown him a pair of those binoculars and uh, George was looking through it and he saw the ships and it blew him away, so he did a show on it. And uh, this is real. And I wonder how your uh, <laughs> professor is going to explain that. I hope he can explain a lot of stuff when he comes on here. Now, Brian, what tools do you use? Um, well, uh -huh. that's a little, I don't use any mechanical tools. Uh, I have been developing my mind in many different ways. There's few things I can, that people can do with equipment that I cannot do with my mind so uh, I um, you know let's put it this way as an astral traveler you can go out there and you can see things you see you can uh, get into the lower astral worlds and you see what's there and uh, some of it is uh, very interesting uh, you may have some ideas on that 
All right, Brian, it's your turn, buddy. What do you guys use over in your group? Well, we use. Uh, <laughs> it really depends on you know what the claims are, what it is that we're investigating, um, and you know at point. And one of our you know kind of tags is we try to record and document the spectrum as possible. So everything from visual light to electromagnetic fields to audio to just anything we can think of that is recording because we want to be able to compare different recording devices to each other. So if some room appears to have moved, was there anything else that happened while that that was taking place or you know we watch for like vibrations so if we hear what sounded like footsteps depending on when it was moving using seismometers for example was it something that appeared to be a footstep that was moving up and down or was it something that sounded like been Maybe the house settling, for example. So being able to look at this from every possible perspective. But one of the things that's really our goal is to be able to document these things, take them out to the real world. Because right now the you know, the, the general public community don't don't really have anything to look at other than personal experiences. And that's not going to prove prove anything because they're just personal experience, which is cool, but we're we're trying to, you know, as they say in the Bigfoot business, we're trying to find the body. Mm -hmm. Have you found the body yet at all, Brian? And I know I'm probably putting you on the spot there because a lot of people that are new to the paranormal field, (laughs) they'll they'll show evidence that really – is not evidence, but I mean, have you guys really got the evidence to find the body out there? Have you got it yet? I would absolutely like to say yes, but not yet. We've had a lot of very bizarre experiences that we haven't been able to explain yet. We've had to us things that they to them, which honestly they do believe happened to them. I can't tell you. I was. And only way that we're going to be able to find out what's real and what isn't is to keep in Just because we've looked lame and it may be something that we've been able to explain doesn't mean the next one that comes along that sounds similar can be explained. We can't just turn into somebody that's so biased that we say, I, I proved that this didn't exist here, therefore all other ones don't. We have to keep an open mind and say, no, this one time I figured out what it was, but that doesn't mean every time that's what it was. And I think a lot of people aren't willing to do that. And one of the things that the other guest was saying is, you know, there, there's two types. There's the believer based on their experience. And I can tell you, I, I kind of have a different take on that, where 
I have had a lot of very unusual personal experiences. However, when I go into an investigation, I have to leave any bias that I have aside. I have to go in completely and say, you know, for example, if it's a paranormal or a ghost station, I have to say it could be a ghost. It might not be a ghost. I don't know. And I have to remain neutral to be able to answer whatever it is that we record and not have that bias change my results. All right, guys, listen, we're going to go to commercial break here for just a second, folks. And I want to remind you, uh, if you want to find out what's happening on our next show, go to KentuckyGhostHunter.com. It'll have a list of our next guest and what's happening on our next show. And also, if you want to listen to any of the archives, they're all on that show, too. Also, if you have a call-in question, you'd like to talk to one of our guests here, ask them questions or anything like that, our call-in number is 888-429-5471. That's 888-429-5171. And I'm going to be asking a pretty serious question to Brian and Augie when we come back. I'm going to kind of get their opinion on what they believe life after death is. And we'll be back right after this commercial break. Taking a family of five to the amusement park can cost a small fortune. Oh, yeah. So to save some money, we thought, hey, let's bring the amusement park to us. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Uh, step right up. Step right up, young man. Are you ready to ride the Wacky Waterfall? That's just the bathtub with the shower head running. No, nope, it's the Wacky Waterfall. It's the shower, Dad. Waterfall. Wacky. There's an easier way to save. To get a free rate quote, go to Geico.com. Then buy online, over the phone, or at your local Geico office. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke Summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? Yes. And this? Yes. And what about this? Yes. Ha, gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola, open happiness. As a man, you know what it's like to break your back on a daily basis. Introducing new Bud Silver, the beer for hardworking men. It's just what you need after a day of assembling flat pack furniture. When instructions are cast aside in favor of intuition. Working with one eye on the job and another on the TV. A day when you're told it looks a bit wonky at least 40 times. Hardworking men want a fuller tasting thirst quenching beer. New Bud Silver, one cold can of you bet I earned it. KFC presents a Halloween tale. It came from the dark. It began like any other evening. They were hungry. Innocently, they went to KFC, where they discovered the new KFC dark meat menu. Look at all those low prices! Have you ever seen chicken price this low? Yes. Dark, delicious pieces of KFC legs and thighs. Flavors like original recipe, extra crispy, and even tender roast. All at low, low prices. Look at all those pieces! It's KFC's dark meat menu. Whatever you do, don't eat it alone. <laughs>
Parker needed something late at night or needed the finishing touch on a project due tomorrow, the Walmart in your area is always there for you and open 24-7. I can't count how many times I've been to Walmart after 11 p.m. Whether it's to get shampoo or just hang out with friends. No matter what, Walmart always has what I need. The next time you need something quick, you know where to go. Save money, live better, Walmart. We're here asking people from all over what they think of lifting green tea. Let's hear what people from Texas have to say. Mmm, -mm. How about China? Mmm. Germany? Mmm. How about people from the North Pole? Mmm. Or Mars? It, what about mimes? Oh, right. People with their jaws wired shut? Oh. Yeah, a barbershop quartet. Mm. Oh, you guys are great. How about race car drivers? Mm. Mm. Yeah, what about you, high school glee club, here on a field trip? like everyone loves the taste of Lipton green tea. With its protective antioxidants from real tea, it's not just good for you, it's mmm to you. Lipton tea can do that. Air fresheners create a beautiful atmosphere in your home. But some can be overpowering. Ambipure Puress is different because it's allergen reduced. It's just as scented, but we've taken things out to make it kinder to sensitive skin. So, all you're left with is a collection of delicate air fresheners approved by Allergy UK. Ambipure Puress, a fresh take on fragrance in your home. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's Dark Chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Hi, Tom Bodette. Of all the things invented in 1962, some have faded away, like cassette tapes. And others are still very much with us, like lava lamps and Motel 6. Yep, Motel 6 is celebrating 50 years of giving travelers a good night's rest and saving you more for what you travel for. But we're just getting started. In fact, the longer you watch us, the better we get. Kind of like a lava lamp. Trippy. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6. 50 years and the light's still on. Welcome back to the Kentucky Ghost Hunter Show with our guest Brian Bonner and Augie Nost. And uh, I, I promised to make it a little bit harder when we came back on. Once again, I'm going to give our number out if anybody wants to ask questions here. It's 888-429-5471. But when we were leaving the show, I said I was going to kind of put you both on the spot. And I don't know if it's on the spot or just to kind of get verification. But, you know, one of the things that everybody wants to know is what happens when we pass away. And Augie, I'm going to start with you on this. Explain to us, you believe in the paranormal, you believe in spirits, you believe in all that. But And like I told you on the break, it's a two-hour show, so I want you to take your time and explain your position on this. But what happens to us when we die? Well, first of all, I want to say I don't believe, I know. Because uh, first of all, when you've seen things, 
that uh, creates a different form of belief than if you haven't seen anything. And I've studied quantum mechanics quite a bit. And uh, quantum mechanics is now showing us that we live in a mind-created universe. So, uh, in fact, uh, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Let me first set the stage for the question so you can better understand the question. Uh, this will be something to think about. <laughs> Uh, for the last 300 years or so, at least since Newton, we've been told that matter and energy cannot be created from nothing. Yeah, but we got a problem. Some of the most brilliant people on the planet, they're saying that their equations on the blackboard using quantum mechanics show that this universe was created from nothing. So if this universe was created from nothing, and everything in this universe was created from nothing, and you are in this universe created from nothing. What are you? That's a good I, question. Kevin, you got an answer for that? We would be I, nothing. <laughs> I we would, we would be purpose. imaginary. Yeah, I paused on purpose there because I really want you to think. Uh, with a mind-created universe, that is possible. Because the mind creates everything around you, and then it is all depending on what is in your mind and what your mind creates. Uh, quantum mechanics show us now that, yeah, there's more than one universe out there, are parallel universe, and they may not even be the same as here. The laws of physics may be different over in the other universes. And uh, as an astral traveler, I've seen that. So what is really happening, there is a veil, or should I say a veil of of uh, forgetfulness first and then it's a veil of sight between this and the next universe or vibratory rate above us which is the astral worlds and uh, if you um, uh, maybe the uh, the other guest here uh, he may have had uh, a uh, Infrared camera. If you do have an infrared camera, you are actually able to see into some of those lower astral worlds. And that's where ghosts float off to if they uh, drop the body here. And in fact, at one time, about uh, two years ago, a little over two years ago now, I was um, in this house. There was an older man. He died. He was laying in the bed. And I was standing by myself in the doorway looking at him. And I saw this gray substance leaving the body and just whoosh. It's just straight through the ceiling. Now that was the astral vehicle. And this astral vehicle, that has had the kind of the form of the person when it left even though it wasn't as detailed as the person, but it had the form of it. The astral world, that is the law, it's not a very nice place. It's where uh, the astral vehicle or the astral body drifts off to. And then we have another body, that is the uh, consciousness that never dies. The physical body and eventually the astral vehicle will die also. It will break apart and just float away and disintegrate. But the consciousness, that lives on forever. And there is some evidence to that through, through uh, hypnosis. People have gone back and explained 
their previous lives, details in it, names in it, what they looked like in a previous life. And somebody went back and investigated that and they found out that, yeah, that person lived 140 years ago, looked like that, and they lived at that place and the details about that person were the same as what the stories about that person is written down to be. So there is something there that cannot be gotten around. And that goes across the veil of physical death. So you, you believe in reincarnation in a, in a way, is that correct? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm a hypnotist too, and I've taken myself back, and uh, I have found myself in other life situations before. Give us some examples of the other life situations, just to, to be, uh, you know, to, to kind of inform us about your other lives, because I'm kind of interested in this. Well, not all your life situations may not necessarily be on this ball of mud we call Earth. It may be from somewhere else. I, in one of them, I haven't gone after that many, but I have a few that I have gone, you know, found. And in one of them, I found myself on a spaceship going through space. That was a very large one. It, um, this uh, spaceship was the home for thousands and thousands of people. And these people, they never set foot on a planet. That spaceship was their planet. And they were traveling uh, through space, going different places. And I was on there, uh, sadly to say I was not the pilot, that would be kind of fun, but uh, I was just one of the uh, the crew on board there. I was just uh, there. I had a duty to do, and I did that. And there was an interesting things about the technologies on that, which I, I knew a little bit about at the time. And uh, another one, I found myself over in uh, southern Europe. I was... Um, Ship. Well, um, I was the owner of several ships. I was traveling up the Seine River and into the country, and uh, I was uh, a businessman over there. I died young. I uh, had several heartbreaks, and I was kind of a goofy guy. So there are things that is coming to you under hypnotic regression that you uh, you really have no way to confirm it unless you go back and investigate things that you're you know you find like i could go back and find that guy in uh, in southern france but uh, i've never done that so i just take it for face value when it shows up on the tape uh, Kevin, you, you've experienced this. I, I know you're getting ready to cut it in that's why i'm bringing you up on this you've done this before and you've you experienced something like he did didn't you yeah it's kind of interesting because I went to a hypnotherapist and got twice done a um, past uh, regression. And I went back and I went back as far as seeing myself as an alien, even though an alien is very similar to us, but I was an alien. I was not from this planet. And there was this brilliant red ball on this beach and it was incredible. And I explained it to the lady after I went back and she said I was crazy. She said, all the years I've done this, I've never had anybody tell me they've seen an alien. And I did went back again. I saw very similar to that. And I have a belief system that maybe on Earth, maybe we weren't, maybe Earth was the potential of what people have said Mars could have dried up. 
and we were shot here from another planet and that's how life got recreated on earth however you know with that technology dies as you start over and it would take thousands and thousands of years to get where we're at today mm-hmm. what do you think about that augie oh absolutely i'm with you that i think it's very possible absolutely very possible I've got to ask both of you a question. Augie and Kevin just kind of reference here. What kind of, and Kevin, I want you to explain it too when he gets done. Do you remember the type of body you had as an alien? Can you give a description of it? Yeah, it was just, it was like a, I don't know. It was kind of like we see today in a way. It was a bigger head. It was just kind of, I was real thin, but I was just, um, I mean, kind of like you see today, but I wasn't a gray. I wasn't a reptilian. I wasn't a, I was just like a, like almost like my skin tone now, you know, I was just like a, a whitish, you know, pale body. And I was standing on a beach and there was a stand with this beautiful red ball. I've never seen this color red before in my entire life. And it just, it was like a, uh, a beacon or something. Now, Augie, what about your body? Do you remember what, does it look anything like he just said? I'm just kind of referencing it. If, if yeah. we got the same body, we might have something going here. Well, I, um, when I was when I found myself walking around on this ship, I didn't really see myself, but I saw my hands and I saw the, the body below me. I did not see my head because I didn't look in the mirror. But I presume that I looked like everybody around me. And because of that, I presume also that I looked probably about eight compared to what we are, which is hard to do if everybody looks the same. But I was a little taller, probably eight, nine foot tall and very skinny but also a humanoid face with uh, some funny big ears on it that was uh, everybody had. And then, of course, uh, it was not uncommon that you saw other species walking around, and they uh, looked totally different, uh, including all the way up to the, uh, the uh, you know, lizard-like creatures. So they were there, too, because there was an integration of species on that ship. Now, Kevin, you didn't have an integration of anything. It was just you, correct? Yeah, I just saw myself on a beach, mm-hmm. on like a beach area. And when you were skinnier, that was a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's interesting, though, because, you know, she said in all the years she's done this for people, she's never had anybody say that. And I've seen myself regress into war situations where I've always had a beard, and I refuse to have a beard now, and I don't know if that's because... Every time in my past I had a beard, I was in a, a war situation, so that's why I don't want to have a beard. I don't know if there's any relation to that or not. Well, it was very common to have beards back then. You know, that's, uh, it was so common that pretty much everybody did that. So that's, that, that could very well happen. Yeah, now, now, Brian Bonner, let me ask you a question. We're going to have to bring your philosophy into this. I know we kind of went way out there for a little bit for some people, but what is your philosophy of life after death? Well, it it's kind of bounced around over the years, and it, as much as it, it is difficult to say, you know, I try and remain neutral because I just don't know. I would like to say absolutely 100% one way or the other, but you know, the evidence moves, things change, and... Like I say, I've seen a lot of bizarre things. I've had a lot of really weird experiences. But I can't nail them down enough to say absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt, this was X. 
it's more of a absolutely beyond the shadow of a doubt. I have no idea. So I want to keep investigating it to find out what it is so I can have a an answer that I can take out to the world and say, yes, here's, here's proof one way or the other, whatever it is that's going on. And that that's part of what I was saying earlier is trying to remain to remain neutral. So when somebody gives me some sort of evidence to analyze or something to look at, I could say, okay, let's with with critical thinking, let's look at this and see what we can actually come up with. And have I seen things that are as of yet unexplained? Absolutely. But on the other hand, have I been able to explain a lot of things that more so than than not? So when it comes to what do I believe, I, kind of a thing that we've said over the years is uh, we aren't really given the luxury to believe in anything because it it changes our our, our belief at the time. If I go into something absolutely believing of I go into an investigation saying I know that I know there's a ghost here. Everything that I do will point to there being that ghost. If I go in there and say I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there's no such thing as ghosts. Everything I do will point towards me trying to prove that that ghost doesn't exist. So it, I have to remain neutral. I have to say I don't know. And it changes in every case. I mean, if I go into half a dozen places and have a really bizarre experience, my perspective starts to change. It's, you know, I'm absolutely saying, wow, there's got to be something out here because all these things are happening. But then we go to another couple of places and absolutely nothing happens. It's like, well, maybe I was wrong. So... Trying to remain neutral is really where we stand for that. Even on a personal perspective, I try to remain as neutral as absolutely positive uh, possible. We got to remember, though, that let's remember mm-hmm. also Albert Einstein. He did say in an interview, uh, few just a few years before he died, that. Uh, imagination is a lot more important than knowledge because with knowledge we are operating from memory and that has already happened that is done gone Uh, imagination leaves the whole universe open for us so I would say that uh, it's the same thing as reality Um, if you uh, or um, if you think you only have one reality here it kind of closes the door to other things somewhat. If you're open to it, which I think you are, then other things will show up. Because we are in a mind-created universe. Whatever is in your mind is what you're going to have in your life. When you open up for it, it will show up because your superconscious mind will allow for it to seep in to the subconscious and the subconscious will hand it over to your conscious understanding and that's the wow moment. Right, and that becomes what I'm saying is a is a personal experience. Whereas if if I if I believe in something, if my mind is is coming up with this, to me that's something that 
you know, absolutely is real. Feels real, and to whoever's having that experience, absolutely. But it's not something that I'm able to go to average Joe on the street and say, "Hey, I have proof," because it's just, you know, it sounds horrible. It's just what I believe. It's just what I've experienced. Mm-hmm. I can't go to them with that and say. You know, this is it because it's it's based on my perspective. And that type of evidence is, well, twofold. It's only as good as the person that's giving it to you. And most of the people don't know who this source is. If I go to them, am I credible? Am I not credible? And it's a lot better to be able to go to them and say, here is... It's, you know, back to the Bigfoot thing. Here's a body. Here's a piece of a UFO. Here's, you know, whatever it is. Because that is a piece of hard evidence that you can't, you know, say it's based on the, the belief system of the person. Not that there's a problem with, you know, believing in whatever you would like or having those experiences. Are they real? Possibly, and to you, absolutely. But it still doesn't test out enough for everybody. And let me give you an example of this. If you go to somebody who is neutral, we'll not even say a non-believer, but somebody who's just neutral, and say, last night I had this amazing experience. We were in this house, and a ghost came out and talked to us. And we had this wonderful interaction. And then you say, but I don't have any video of it. I don't have any audio of it. All I have is my word. To me, that's great. But to somebody else, it's just not enough. And we need to be able to give them more than enough to be able to to prove one way or another and you know hard cold evidence is really the only way we're going to be able to do it and so far i haven't seen anybody that has enough to you know push the boundary to the point where yeah, everybody's saying, oh, absolutely, there's no question, you know, there's life after death or that this Bigfoot is real or whatever it is. There's a lot of people with experiences that absolutely, they believe it, but it's not enough to take out to the rest of the world and say, here it is. And if there was, it would be accepted a lot more. And that's the thing right now, anybody that believes in anything paranormal, believe me, I can tell you this from personal experience, if they go out into the public, they're labeled crazy. And it's because that proof isn't strong enough right now. It could, it needs to be, one way or the other, to either prove or disprove. But until that point happens, it's still a very subjective field. 
let, let me say this to everybody here. I, and I know where you're coming from, Brian, because right now that's, and I've said this before in past shows, one of the problems we have is that we can't show solid evidence to anyone right now. We can show uh, EVPs, which any scientist can debunk some way or the other. We can show them videos, which they can debunk. Uh, the new equipment that's coming out can be debunked. Everything we use in the paranormal world can be debunked if you really want to debunk it. Uh, so I, I'm going to ask you as an investigator, and, and Kevin, I'm going to ask you too, and, and Augie, if you want to come in on this, what do we need to do here to get solid evidence if our equipment's not working? I mean, how can we even prove what we're, we're asking people to believe in? Well, well the question that's a question that, that I've had. Oh, well, I was going to say that's a question I've had recently of in the, you know, 20-plus years that I've been doing this, the nothing's changed. It's the same type of people. It, it rotates. It may not be the same people, but it's the same type of group of people looking with the same equipment for the same thing. And it's, it's almost to the point of the true definition of insanity. We're doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. And up until the point that we can come up with a legitimate theory of how things are that's testable, we're just going to keep you know, beating our heads on the rock like we have for the past, and it's not just these 20 years. This goes back you know, as far as either that piece of equipment or just the general search for the unknown goes. Well, it actually and, goes back to when I started cameras. I mean, if you think about it, that's exactly when the paranormal started with uh, using uh, sophisticated equipments when the camera came out. A lot of them were fake, well, but I see what you're saying. From, from the time that, the cameras came out till now, we're still using cameras to try to find ghosts with. Right. Yeah, and I want to say that, something real quick, if I can. Go ahead, Kevin. I just want to say, I, I, I just talked about this on our break, but I met a physicist over the weekend who's an MIT grad. She's an aerospace physicist. I mean, a super highly intelligent woman, very knowledgeable. And she's had things happen to her she could not explain. And she came out to me over the weekend in an in-depth conversation and actually mentioned she actually believes in God. And she said, I'm probably one of five physicists in the world that believe in God. And she said, I've thought about it more and more and more because the things I can't explain, we've tried to debunk. But she said, if the whole world was created and where we're at now, she said, we all believe black matters. What created this? Well, what created black matter? She said, there is a God. And she said, there is something else out there that we'll never have an answer to. And I said, absolutely. And that's some things I'm just trying to say is some things are not supposed to be explained. Some things will never be explained. Well, well, I think you ought to say this, too, is at this point in time, with our scientific knowledge, we can't explain it if we wanted to. A lot of times when I deal with, with people that are scientific, I guess is the best way to put it, they always have explanations about everything, and they will not accept anything else except what they've been told. And uh, I think, Augie, you're, you've been, uh, to, you know, you've got a lot of education. You're going to know what I'm talking about here. You could try to explain something to them, but they will not listen, and then it ends up being down the road they're proven wrong in a lot of cases and we discover something's totally different like and Augie, you correct me if i'm mistaken or anybody else but i always use the 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 term of the black the black matter that's out there at one time we didn't even know it was there we didn't think it was the black matter that was the majority of our universe and just until recently 
uh, we were taught something totally different. And if we went against that in high school and stuff, I'm 52 years old. So I think it was, you know, they were saying plasma and all this other stuff, which is in the universe, but they never even brought up black matter. And so what they said at that point was what the major, uh, I guess, the major makeup of the universe was. They were totally wrong. But up until that point, until they were proven wrong, they wouldn't listen to anything else. Now, Augie, if you, I mean, you've, you know, you've talked to people and you've been on the documentary stuff. You've dealt with scientific people yourself. Do you see my point in this or... What's your yeah, opinion on absolutely. In fact, my book, uh, in my book on spiritual science and higher consciousness thinking, I uh, explained the universe fairly well because I had an incredible experience uh, about four and a half years ago. I was sitting in meditation and I had a universal download of uh, universal information. And the whole universe was pretty much downloaded into my head, full detail and concept. And uh, I understood it at the time. And, of course, when I woke up out of that, I looked around and I said, man, what, what am I going to do with this? And I grabbed uh, some paper and a pen and I wrote for three days and that became that book. And uh, what happens is that we are told certain things by science. It's called science. And that is uh, rooted in what Newton came up with 300 years ago. I think we should have advanced a little bit beyond that and we have now but it hasn't been officially recognized as much and that is quantum mechanics the uh, the big bang is pretty much done away with it never did happen and there was a different thing it was a big bang of consciousness not of matter and that makes sense when we know that we live in a mind created universe in fact, most of the universe does not even exist until somebody is thinking about it or observing it. That is also proven in quantum mechanics. In fact, if we go this far within quantum mechanics, we have done, I say we, uh, I haven't, but I, I know of three or four different experiments that prove you can change the past. Now that's quantum mechanics. So if we can do that, what else can we do with our existence? What can we do with the future? Outside of the physical, in the uh, higher vibrations, the past, present, and the future existing at the same time. So then what? What is there? How do we operate out of the physical? And we're going to end up there one day, and we help to know a little bit about what's there, because that'll reduce your confusion a little bit when you just suddenly show up there. And that is, wherever you want to go, you think yourself there, and you are there. So, Augie, how do we prove this? I mean, now, like, in the vet, and I'm going to say this to you, I have a personal belief, and I'm writing a book about it right now, but I have a personal belief that most of what we think about ghosts and the and what's made up of ghosts and, the, you know, we say they're energy and all this, I think we've got it all wrong. I think that it's been, like Brian said, it's been thought that way for so long that people don't want to open their minds to other things. I think we've, it, it's like the Bible. I'm going to use the Bible, for example. Um, Bible, you know, whether people believe it or not believe it, but it's changed no matter what you want to think as far as its meaning is from the time it was written until today, the meaning of it and how people interpret it has been totally changed from generation to generation until at this point I believe that nobody knows what the heck they're talking about when it comes to it because they've added so much to it. And I think the same thing is with the ghosts and stuff like that is we've added so much to it 
over the years that we've not allowed ourselves to think outside of the box. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how are we going to prove this if we keep doing the same thing? Like Brian said, we're going to keep using the same equipment that isn't doing what it's supposed to do because we're not really looking for what we're, we should be looking for, I guess. So, Brian Bonner, let, let me ask you, what do you think about that philosophy? Are we doing it right? Do we need to change stuff? I mean, do you think our concept is totally, completely off like I do? Is it completely off? I don't know. Are we approaching it the right way? Obviously not. I mean, if we were, we would definitely be having better results. And so far, like, you know, we said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of very subjective evidence. It's very, you know, I may believe in something, be it, you know, whatever my experiences are, whatever my belief system is, and to me, it's absolutely real. But that doesn't mean it's real to somebody else. And if it's provable and real to somebody else, which would also counteract what he's saying about it being a a mind-based thing, because if it was truly a mind-based thing, there is no way to prove it, because it's whatever you perceive it as being. Aki, is there a way to prove your philosophy about the mind base, do you think, scientifically? Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of experiments that has been done there that uh, really prove that the mind is actually more important than the experiment itself. The, the mind can direct the experiment. So the mind actually controls the experiment. With other words, yeah, we live in a mind-created universe. You brought up the Bible here, um, and I read the Bible. I read a lot of the uh, so-called holy books, and I found out maybe we haven't been told the truth about everything. But in the uh, let's say in the Bible, I, I'm speaking from memory now. That's in Luke 17:21. It says, "The kingdom of heaven is within you," and I think it is in Psalms 82:6. It says that you are gods. That should tell us something. It should tell us that we are a little more powerful than just, you know, meat and bones and hangnails. And uh, chances are that we should go within ourselves in meditation every so often to have a look at this kingdom of heaven within. I've been meditating since I was probably about 19. And I tell you, there is another world there that is totally available to you if you start doing it or if you are doing it. So this is something that I recommend for everybody to do. And in, in my book, again, I explain exactly what you can have and where you can go in order to train your mind to do some amazing things. Let's put it this way. We, we think we have a mind. Well, there's an analogy. If we took Mr. Average right off the street, stuck him in the left seat in the cockpit of a Boeing 747, oh, that's, that's the captain's chair, and told him, let's go flying. Mr. Average wouldn't have a clue. He'd be looking for 20 minutes just to find the electrical master switch. But if we gave him one year of training in that airplane, put him back in the seat and told him, let's go flying, he could take you flying. It's the same thing with your mind. You've never been taught how to use your mind. You've only been taught how to use your brain and very little of that. If you use your mind, you open up to what's possible. And that's where you need to, if you go there, you will see that other world on the outside. 
totally different than what you see from peeking over the edge of the box looking out at it. Well, you know, Augie, that scares a lot of people to think that way, though, because a lot of people are based in, all, and like Brian said, they're based in the world where you have to prove to them physically something that you have to do. You know, it's mental is what you're saying. And they're wanting a physical presence. Is there a besides the experiment? Is it? You think there's any way to prove to these skeptics? I guess the yeah, physical part of it. Tell, tell us about. It. Tell us. Yeah, go get yourself a fourth generation night vision goggles, and you can show the evidence to them. Get yourself a Tesla coil and go out to the graveyard, and you can show these people evidence. And uh, there's also a special antenna that you can do. You can put together, it's like a spiral pyramid type of antenna. Would you take that one out there uh, late at night at the graveyard? You can hear people talking and you get it on tape or on a voice recorder. Uh, explain, is, explain to us the spiral thing. What are you exactly talking about with the spiral thing? Uh, this antenna is uh, actually uh, DARPA developed this antenna first. And uh, that was a long time ago they did that. And it's kind of like a spiral. It's not a pyramid, but it's the same, same angle as the Cheops. And uh, when you have that angle and you face it towards something, and uh, it's a tightly uh, wound spiral, and you, the tip of the apex of the spiral goes right down to the microphone. And now you can actually, you do this thing and you can hear things. You can hear pretty much the same even if you use an aluminum funnel like that too. But uh, these voices coming in, you can hear words in it. And there's a lot of people that have done this. Uh, and they have the recordings of it. And of course, you know, once it passes from one person to another, it's secondhand information. And so they are oh, sure they created that. But a lot of the stuff you see on YouTube and you hear out on the Internet, it's real. It's just that we cannot prove it because we were not there. So let me back this up a little, because I might even try this. I've never heard of this antenna thing. Augie. You're we saying need this, that you, Dean. Yeah, we need to get this. <laughs> so you can you put a spiral antenna, and you actually you don't attach it to the recorder. You actually point it towards the microphone of the antenna, and it picks up. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I think Kevin, we need to try that, Kevin. Yeah, we need to get the we need to get more information after the calls over this week. Get figure how to do this. Yeah. Well, I t do you know where we can find information, Augie, for the people who are listening that are uh, investigators that can use that? How how would you find I, that? Um, in fact, I tell you what. What I'm going to do. I don't have it on my website, but I, I have a UFO detector that you works about every time that you can put together for twenty bucks yourself. Uh, that's on my website. So uh, if you go into the picture gallery, you'll find that one. Maybe I should give you the website so people can go look at these 4,000 unbelievable pictures I have in there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's uh, www.universal-consciousness-show.com. No, that's uh, www.universal-consciousness-show.com. If you go into the picture gallery, I think it's about halfway into the page, probably page 60 or something like that. And uh, you'll find that UFO detector in there, show you exactly how to uh, put it together. Simple. I, I created the first one when I was 11 years old, so I'm, I'm sure you can do it. So would you use that about the same way for the uh, ghost thing? Uh, no, no, that's different. I'm going to make a drawing of this, and I'm going to put it on my uh, website in the next day or so, 
So if you go there later, you'll find it. I, I will do that because this is, I haven't thought about this one for, gosh, decades. So I'll do my, make a drawing of it and put it on there. Ah, okay. I wish you would. And then let us know when you do it so we can announce it on the show for other people to go to. Because I know there's going to be interested in it now that they've heard about it. Yeah. Now, I got to ask Brian a question, Dean. So, Brian, are you still there? Yep. Okay. So, I think one of our problems we have is I think some of the tools we have and we investigate, we may be using the same tools you're using here in Cincinnati as you're using in Colorado. But I think one of the problems we come across is every group, every person does things a little bit different. Nobody's doing the same, using the tools the same exact way. And so it's hard to get an accurate readings when everybody's doing such things differently. Also, when you go into a haunted location, there's no guarantee it's going to be an active night. I mean, if I passed you on the street five times in regular life and I waved to you once, you got one response out of five. Same with the haunted house. If I don't. Maybe the spirit doesn't want to interact with me that night. Next night it does. Well, and that's something I tell people is, you know, just because we spend a night in a house doesn't mean, you know, we, nothing happened doesn't mean nothing's happening. You know, the odds of something happening in this one-day time frame is, you know, statistically pretty low. You know, when people say things are happening to me all the time, if you actually have them sit down and figure out how often it's happening, it's so overwhelming to them that it feels like it's happening all the time, but you find out that it's not. So when we go in for this short period of time, odds are we're probably not going to find anything. That's been one of my tests for a lot of, of ghost hunters out there is I'll ask them flat out, have you ever been any place? that wasn't haunted, that you didn't get some sort of evidence. And nine times out of ten, they say, oh, no, every place we go, our own homes are infested. (laughs) And it's like, well, then there's probably an issue going on. But the equipment that we use anyway is something that was designed for other purposes, you know, is commercially available, be it... You know, audio, video, cameras, electromagnetic field, vibration sensing, whatever. These are things that were designed for other uses. So one of the things that we require is if you are going to use this equipment, you're going to learn how to use it properly. So we'll go out and either get certified by the manufacturer of the device, for example, or classes and how to use them take a course in audio engineering or uh, i was a professional photographer well and i still am so for decades so i understand photography and that's the thing is learn to use the, the equipment for what it was designed for before you throw it into a field that it wasn't really meant to be in in the first place and you'll find that a lot of your results are different because you know how to use it properly. A, a good example of that, back a long time ago, uh, I was on an episode of Ghost Hunters. And we were in this you know, abandoned building, basically. And in this big dining hall, we saw what looked to be a person standing at the other end of the room. 
And everybody was pretty much willing to accept that. And I said, hold on a minute, let's figure out what it is. And as we got closer, we discovered that it was just, it was a small table, a couple of statues and a wall sconce. But they were in the shape of a human. And because they were away from the wall, they were a slightly different temperature. So it looked like somebody standing there. And, you know, that made me think, especially, you know, let's just look at the thermal cameras. Does anybody actually know how to use them that's using them in the field? Well, first you have to look at the, you know, what does it take to get certified in them? And we've actually gone out, me personally, I have five different certifications on how to use these things. And the way that they're being applied in the field is absolutely wrong. But what we tend to find is people are what I like to call TV trained. There's no legitimate certifications. There's no good training. So they watch a lot of TV. They read a couple of books and form a paranormal group. And it's a lot of fun. I'll give them credit for that. But to say that you're actually doing research, it gets kind of boring. And you really have to know what you're doing. And that's the thing with the equipment, that if you know how to use it and apply it properly, your evidence is a lot more likely to be accepted. But I've seen most of at least the ghostly evidence that's out there is people that don't know how to use the equipment that they have misinterpreting things. I mean, they're being honest. They think that it was a ghost. But it's just because they don't have the proper training in how to use the equipment. Dean, you've seen that with the SLS camera, Dean. We watch the TV shows. We have an SLS camera. And I know the SLS camera will pick up posts and lamps. And it'll It'll make stick figures have a lot of things. And uh, I've watched these shows on TV. And uh, I sit there and I watch and they're pointing it right at a you know a post and i'm like it's like look at it but the thing's not moving just stationary and it, to me it's uh they're picking up the posts what they're picking up through i've experienced well, it enough to realize it's not what what they think it is yeah, and another thing we well, have wrong with evps like we did a, a couple shows ago i don't remember when it was but we, we i played some evps over the recording here on the station live and we had i think three people besides myself listening to it if i'm not mistaken was it three people kevin i think it was yeah, I Probably. think it was. Yeah, I think it was three people, but not any one of us got the same thing out of it. So a lot of times when you hear EVPs, uh, people can hear one thing and then somebody else will hear something else and somebody else will hear something else. So it all goes well, back to the same thing. Well, they've that on television. On TV, what they do is they'll play karaoke with it and put a little bouncy ball across what they want you to hear. That preloads you psychologically to hear whatever it is they want you to. Once you've done that, you can't unhear what they wanted you to. It's a really big psychological trick. Oh, I agree totally. And I've, I've Kevin, you've I've said this too, yep. and Kevin said it too. Reality ghost hunting shows um, are probably one of the twofold. They're the best thing that's ever happened to paranormal because it's brought people more to understand paranormal and, and there is something else out there. And it's also done the most harm because it discredits everything we do because they, they it's unbelievable what they do in these shows. Like they fall on the ground, they get possessed, they hit walls with their heads and stuff like that. It's just totally 
for a paranormal investigator like me and, and Brian and Kevin and, and Augie, you guys all know that those are so uncommon that you could go years without somebody banging well, their head into a wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? People ask that a lot where they'll say, you know, all the places we go, we have, you know, our investigators, they can't go into certain places and they're, they're throwing up and they're having these horrible experiences. And I can honestly say in you know, the 20 years that the group has existed, and we have been to a lot of the, quote, most haunted places in the world, we've never had that happen. And it's not like we're, well, l- let me go back to the, the spiritual side. A lot of people say before you go into a place like this, make sure to, you know, bless yourself or, you know, protect yourself with something. And we've practically done the exact opposite. It's like, if there's something here with me, come on home. Let's talk. It hasn't happened yet. And I kind of wish it would. Well, I I can tell you, and Kevin's can tell you that we've been we've been to places that uh, uh, they're pretty popular. I guess and I hate I hate haunted places that are popular because it ends up turning commercialized more than it does investigation wise. But exactly. we've been to some places where uh, Denise, who is one of the people that work with us, she's our medium that works with us. But uh, she's went into a house and walked out with handprints on her back from children, and it's on KentuckyGhostHunter.com. You can see it. That's unexplainable. There's things that's happened that's been unexplainable, but they're not as common as reality TV makes it out to be, where something happens every time you go a place. We've been to places, and Kevin, you'll you'll attest to this. We started. We went to one place in Iowa, and we started having uh, shadow figures, and we were making the shadow figures. We were doing little dinosaur figures and stuff with our hands because it was nothing was happening. But I guarantee, if a reality TV show went there, there'd be demons there and everything else. So, I, oh, in yeah. my opinion. Reality TV is killing us. It's helping, but it's killing us too. Because everybody that's getting into the paranormal field right now, I'd say ninety percent of them want to have their own show. And I've seen girls that are getting into it that are sending half-dressed, you know, pictures to people saying they're paranormal investigators. No, they're not. They're models that want to get into the paranormal field. And you know, men that are don't know anything that are doing YouTube videos, and it looks like you're watching an episode of Ghost Adventures, and the stuff they're putting on you, you're going, I don't see any of that. So, I mean, Brian, what's your philosophy on the reality TV thing for us? Do you agree with me? Well, I I completely agree with you. I've been on several of them, so I can say I know firsthand. But one of the things, and I'll use Ghost Hunters as an example, if you read the fine print as the credits are rolling, and this holds true with all but the ghost adventurers, uh, somewhere it says that it is and the wording that Ghost Hunters used was a docu-soap, a docu-drama, which means it's filmed on site, there's mostly reality, but it's scripted. And all of them are tagged for entertainment purposes only. And there's a reason for that, because let me give you an example. Let's say you have a TV show, ghost hunting show, and nothing's happened. And then all of a sudden, something does. You have producers all of a sudden from your network calling you going, hey, we have all sorts of people that are interested in the show and the advertisers seeing the rates go, or the ratings go up. That needs to happen again. And, you know, it's your livelihood that you're worried about at that point. It has to happen again. So 
even if this one little thing that may or may not have been explainable happened and it was popular, you've got to keep creating it or your show goes away. So it's part of the deal. And several times we've been offered different options with television networks, and we said flat out, we won't fake anything. Recreations, personal experiences, that's perfectly fine. But if nothing happens, nothing happens. And at that point, we generally scare away the production company because they need something to happen. So reality TV isn't. I totally agree. Now, Kevin, I, I don't want you to name, and I'm not trying to put reality TV down by any means. It's just, well, I guess I'm just saying they need to straighten up a little bit if they're going to do it like it's supposed to be done if we're going to get anywhere. But, Kevin, tell the story that you had about the, uh, I'm not even going to say where it happened, but you know what I'm talking about, where they explained to you what happened when a certain show showed up and then another crew came in. Yeah, well, there was a very popular show out there. That's basically, it was a very large facility, one of the most popular places in the country to investigate. And I got to talking to some of the internal people there and what happens, they came out and they filmed for a couple of days. And yeah, you know, when I went there, we got nothing. And when this particular team went there, they got really not much to show. So they, so they thought they had saw a shadow figure at the end of this long hallway. And they went back and they um, basically recreated it by bringing in a. Well, first off, let's go back a little bit. When I went and was investigating this place, the, our guide who was helping showing us the beginning tour said, Oh my God, there's a shadow. It's back. So we're like, Oh wow. Yeah. That's the same thing. This TV people saw. Wow. That's cool. So that night we debunked it. It is basically a car turning down the end of the road, but a car would turn left. It was the, the headlight would reflect. It would actually create the shadow figure. But what happened was they didn't get what they wanted on the, re- on the show. So they sent in the B team back in, which was not the people on you see on TV. And they dressed in all black, completely top bottom shoes, everything and went to the end of the hallway and recreated the shadow figure so that way and you saw it on tv you're like oh my gosh but really all it was was this person at the end of the hallway well and that's the thing i think on a lot of these shows sometimes the team themselves aren't in on it you know there is a production company out there faking things and getting reactions from these poor you know ghost people that don't know any better. And I think that's one of the things that we've learned over the years. While we haven't really found anybody trying to fake anything, I still think it's a really important part to keep an eye out for people faking things. Because right now, we've had investigations that we showed up at, and they're like, where's the TV crew that's supposed to be with you? They don't care about, you know, whatever it is that they're having happen to them might be real. They're too concerned about a TV show. And like you were saying, that's, that's really popular with everybody trying to get into the field too. People say, okay, we're going to form a paranormal group. And before they think about training, before they think about, you know, anything, it's like, okay, well, we need to design some t-shirts we can sell and we're going to start our own YouTube channel so we can have a, our show on there—that's that's not research. No, that's entertainment. I agree with you totally. Now, 
Let me ask Augie here on this because Augie, you have been in the television industry. You've been in it a couple times. You've been in documentaries. You've been in uh, basically everything you can think of. What is your take on reality? I don't even know if you watch it. Do you even watch reality ghost shows? Um, I have, but um, I've had a couple of uh, different. Uh, there's a group out of Texas that I had on my uh, on my radio show. And uh, really good guys, and they've done some phenomenal investigations, and they actually found some aberrations that uh, they consider to be real. But the problem is that once you put it on the air, we were not there, so we do not know that it is real. So we have to be a little more open-minded up to a certain point. Look on YouTube. There is thousands of clips there of ghosts and all kinds of stuff. And I am sure that at least half of it is fake. Probably more. But on the other hand, we got to think about what uh, Albert Einstein said too. Imagination is more important than knowledge. And uh, we got to remember something here too, that uh, the head of the CIA under Ronald Reagan, he said that when we wake up one day and find that everything the people believe is false. We know that our disinformation program is successful. They have been con conditioning us to not believe anything. We got to have solid proof right in front of us in our hand before we can believe it, that it's real. That is not necessarily the way it is because there are some things that cannot turn physical in your hand, but it is still real. So uh, I'm a little more liberal on this, and that's why I'm probably a little more controversial on some of the people out there in this particular field. See, the, we have been taught how to think a certain way, and in even the master of lies, Adolf Hitler said that, how convenient for rulers that people do not think. So let's think about that. Open up our minds a little bit and look at something and ask yourself, is it real? We do not have to necessarily take it 100%, but open up for the possibility. And uh, that's what my website is all about. I have hundreds of UFO uh, uh, pictures and videos and uh, ghost pictures in there. And um, I, I'm not, it's not a scientific site. It is one of wonder and uh, curiosity. And I have not investigated all these pictures, but they are there. And uh, my radio shows are on there. And in my book, I talk about scientific experiments that prove there are more than one reality. And there is, in fact, life after death is what we call the term. There are scientific experiments that prove that you can affect something at a distance. And in fact, you can change the time. You can create a new timeline. And these experiments that is explained through quantum mechanics, uh, they're obscure ones. And uh, gosh, uh, there are several uh, scientific papers that one of them I remember, I think it came out of UCLA, a theoretical physicist there and said that we have found that time can in fact run in reverse. If we start looking at that, then what we see if it's out of the physical, may not even be in our timeline right here. It may have been something that happened in the past that we are seeing in the present. 
open up for that one. That'll screw with your head a little bit. So would that be something like a residual haunting where you'd see something? It is maybe a vision of something or an energy that is attached to a particular place, but not the time. Well, let me ask you a question real quick, Augie, because uh, I know we're running out of time, but I wanted to get on this subject with both you and Brian because it's been brought up a lot of times to me in the past. You've said that there's two different universes, and I think, you know, Brian, you may not uh, believe it or disbelieve it, but I'm sure it's been brought up from your investigations. Is there such things as portals, Augie? Can we move or, – or you know how you said that when the, you saw that uh, – uh, the soul or spirit or whatever it is that left the person's body or the energy and it went straight up. Uh, how do we get from one place to the other through your philosophy, Augie? How we get from one place to another? Uh, well, yeah, let me try to let me try to explain a little bit more. It, a lot of times when we go into these haunted locations, people start talking about vortexes. They start talking about portals and stuff like that. And they, they say the portals open up and allow spirits to come from one universe to another universe. Do you believe in portals at all, or, or what's your opinion on something like that? Yeah, th- there are uh, certain energy centers in uh, energy portals where there's easier for them to make it through. And uh, we uh, just look at this galaxy. The center of it is what some people call a black hole. Actually, it's not a black hole. It's kind of like a white hole. And um, that's the same thing with dark matter. It's not dark, it is light, because it is a higher vibratory light that cannot be seen with the physical eye. And uh, that's why we're going around the great circle of 26,000 years right now. We're getting into a region of space that will raise our vibration. And there, the NASA, in fact, found that there is a segment or a sliver coming out from the center of the galaxy that is of a different vibration than the rest of it. And we're moving through that. And that's why some people say that we're going to go into the fifth dimension. Well, then that might be so. I, well, I guess we'll see when we, when we get there. But there is some things happening here that thins the veil between the physical and the next vibration. And uh, I've seen that because I can see things around here. If you notice that out of the corner of your eye, You can see things moving sometimes, but when you look over there, it's gone. That is because the periphery of the retina inside your eye can pick up higher vibratory light than what the center of the retina can. That's why you can see shadow figures at the periphery of of your field of vision. When you look over there, it's gone. And uh, I suggest everybody out there, get your hands on one of those... uh, uh, a camera, especially a, um, a, um, a infrared camera. You're going to have some fun with that one because then you can see things that you cannot see with the regular eye. Uh, Brian, you guys use infrared, don't you? Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, when you say infrared, the cameras that we use, uh, they're just outside of the the human eye as far as the infrared goes so they require a infrared light source now while most people use them to you know quote see ghosts we use them because when we go into an investigation and let, let me walk you through a standard ghost hunting setup 
Most people, when they go in, which they're trying to replicate something they've seen on television, black out the entire place, and then they say, okay, lights out, and then they turn on the camera equipment that it's effectively seeing in the room the same way you would, but you're just using a light that you can't see to illuminate it. And there's two things for that. Number one, we've all, and I can pretty much say this across the board, had some sort of a paranormal experience, some sort of a ghostly sighting where, you know, you saw grandma walk across the living room or you thought you saw somebody standing in the corner or whatever it is. How many of those things happened in the dark? Yeah. None of them because you couldn't have seen them in the dark. So what we do is try to keep the surroundings the same as whatever they were when whatever it was that was reported happened. And that is up to and including keeping the family there. We set up our equipment and disappear. We go into a back room, we go into the basement, whatever it is, and say, go about your daily lives and we will see what happens because it's being reported while while you're here, while you're doing your thing. Maybe maybe you're a part of it. Maybe maybe you're causing something. But at that point when it gets to be late at night, which is usually when people report things, and I think that's generally because that's when people are at home, it's too dark for a regular video camera to record. So we rely on that infrared light to illuminate it so we don't interfere with the natural conditions. So we do use it, but we're using it kind of for a different purpose. Well, Augie, tell us how... I need to know how you'd use the the infrared, Augie, so people can start using it the way to see what you see. How, How would you use it? Well, uh, I have only the uh, reports from people that I know that are using it. Linda Moulton Howe is one of them. And she said she has uh, some really neat movie footage or video footage from that. So I know that it it works that way. And uh, if I want to just for 30 seconds go back to the fourth generation night vision goal, there's a story behind that because it's a military grade uh, piece of equipment that was started to be used uh, by the military over in the Middle East, and they was given out to the soldiers. And they got all kinds of complaints from the soldiers that we're, we're putting these goggles on, and we see people, and then we take them off, and they're not there anymore. What's going on here? So they took them away from the soldiers, and they were using them just for the military officers. And they were told that uh, this is uh, equipment that you will never speak of. What you see, you will never speak of. And um, this is just a rumor, of course, I cannot prove that, but this is what I was told by one soldier that was over there. So there is uh, things that we can see using those, and I totally believe that because, uh, first of all, it was an incredible man that I talked to, and I know that uh, George Nori had a tremendous experience with it. I, have had, I don't have one of those. They're a little expensive, anything from four to $6,000 for the piece. I've seen them on different auctions down to $800, so they can be had, but they're still expensive. Now, Brian, being a uh, photographer and you know about these things, uh, he's talking about military grade. Of course, you guys aren't using military grade. Uh, 
do you know the difference in the two? What's because I I don't know. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I really don't know. But can you, being a photographer that you are, can you tell us the difference in between the, the type that we use, where you have to put a, a light source on it? Because I know military grade, they don't have a a little light bulb on there like we do. Right, and well, and that's kind of the difference is the infrared cameras that you'd buy your your night vision. You know, you have a, a night vision camera that you have outside to watch your for your security system. Those are just outside of the visible spectrum. And it's enough that, like I say, it doesn't interfere with whatever's happening for us to view it. Now, some of the other systems that are available are thermal cameras, which the military uses a ton of. It's to the point where if somebody's walking around inside of a building you can get a thermal signature off of them because you can see literally through the walls. Then there's other ones, which are most of the night vision equipment that the military uses, which are strictly light amplification. So what it's doing is, and do you know anything about photography? No, that's why I'm asking you, buddy. Okay. Well, the thing is, depending on the equipment, it's how sensitive it is to light. So being able to have something, if you were to take these you know, high-end night vision and turn them on during the day, you'll blow them out. Uh, a good example of this, uh, kind of a, a fun thing that we did is we took some of this light amplification equipment off to a drive-in theater. And you could watch just like it was daylight all the way around. But if anybody in a car or walking around, not just lit a cigarette, but had a cigarette with them and just toked on it a little bit to brighten up that that burn, it'd wash out the screen because it was too bright for the equipment to handle. So what it does is it collects as much of the light as possible and then processes it to brighten it even more. So it is truly light amplification. It's not really looking at anything in a different spectrum. It's just taking what's in the dark and brightening it up so you can see it. And the technology that they've done for that, I mean, I can tell you right now, my digital camera that I use, I can put it into a mode and go into an almost pitch dark room and take a picture. It's not a great picture, but I can get details and things. So the technology over the decades has advanced so much. And that's the thing where if you're looking into a dark area, you're looking into a dark sky, you can't see anything. But if you amplify that light, whatever's there, you're going to see. And as far as things that are seeing in other parts of the spectrum i mean visual light is pretty even light that we would consider to be visual even in the ultraviolet and infrared is such a small portion of the electromagnetic spectrum and we can monitor those things with some pretty basic equipment i mean i can take a either a video camera or a digital still camera and strip some filters off of it and have a full-spectrum camera that's as full-spectrum as something that we will be able to relate back to our visual spectrum. So 
they're not really able to see outside of anything that we can't almost naturally see. So it just amplifies. Okay, let's say let's talk about what Augie's saying. The the, the, the what, what was that one again? The number four. What was that again? The fourth generation night vision goggles, yeah. Okay, fourth generation night goggles. So what that does is the fourth generation basically, if I understood what you're saying right, basically amplifies the light that's already there. Even if it's dark, it's still amplifying the light, and that's how we're able to see. So the this series should, when it does what it does, is and I'll you chime in on this too. Is are you guys believing that? It, Lights, you know, maybe spirits are are made of light some way, or if, is it amplifying the energy you think, or how is it amplifying to, so we can see things that aren't there? No, oh, it just amplifies uh, the light probably into maybe a little higher into the light specter than what uh, maybe the second generation or the first or the third does. Absolutely. So doing that, that's enabling us to see. So. I guess what I'm saying is if that's working the way it is and what we're all saying here at the same time is, Augie, that the, these spirits are here all the time. It's just not like Kevin was saying. Maybe they don't want to talk to us or something, but they're always there. And if you're looking through them through the Spectrum camera uh, or the fourth generation, I'm sorry, then, uh, um, you know, hey, there's a lot of people around us here that we don't know about. Do you agree, Augie? They're everywhere. What about you, Brian? Do you? I mean, I know that you've said you got to have hard evidence, but, I mean, you've been doing it 20 years now. You've got to have some kind of thought process on it. Do you think there's people there? Honestly, uh, like I say, my my opinion has wavered over the years, and I still try to say I, I don't know. I, I want to. I really want to know one way or the other. I would – how cool would it be to be able to come out into the public and say, Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I've proven that ghosts exist. I mean, that would be just the coolest thing, or anything paranormal, to be able to prove something like that. But we have to make sure that whatever we're saying is that proof is so so testable, so reliable. And, you know, one thing that I, I, I hear a lot is... People use science like it's some group of people that are out there doing something. And science is nothing but a method of analyzing data. It's the scientific method. It, it's not people. It's not certifications. It's not a, some sort of a religious thing. It's a way of testing data. That's it. The scientific method is the, right now, only way we have to quantify something so it's provable across the board to everybody. So how would we, okay, I'm going to have to just say this. Augie, we've brought, we've brought, come here and we, we've said, you're saying it's mental and we've got Brian saying it's physical. We've got two different sides saying I need physical evidence. You don't, and Augie's saying you don't need physical evidence because you have imagination. But uh-huh. Well, how would you, how to these people that, go ahead, I, I think you guys know where I'm coming with this. <laughs> I think it's both. It's both well, ex- explain mental. that a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's both, both physical, mental, and even higher than that, call it spiritual. 
because uh, there is things out there that I have seen that I've proven to myself that, uh, of course, I cannot transfer that site to anybody else, so it will be hearsay to them. But still, the, it is there. So uh, it appears to me like very few, if any, of the uh, either ghost hunters or the paranormal investigator have real proof, which means that they're not doing it right. There's got to be proof out there. Then step out of the box that they are in and do something that they are not doing, and then you might find something. That could include maybe the fourth generation or this antenna I'm talking about. That uh, Go to my website in about a week and you'll have a look at it. So uh, start doing other things. That You may come up with a method that is perfectly scientific, and you hit on something that could create that evidence that is tangible that it can stay with you so you can prove something step out of the box where everybody else is that is not able to prove anything am i making any sense i think you mean you're on the same page on that because like i said before i didn't really i don't think we're doing it right because if we would have done it right i mean we've been doing it since i don't know when the camera was invented the 18 late 1800s no yeah. even during the civil war uh, and they've been doing ghost pictures since then, but we've never since that point in time come up with anything that can be physically, you know, say that's the evidence of what it is. So, so one of the ahead. problems, Dean, one of the problems is even since photography was invented, photoshopping has been around. They've already proven Abraham, Abraham Lincoln. There's pictures of him that were photoshopped in different objects into the picture. So oh, photoshopping, even back in the 1800s, has created the problem. What's that? What, was you, what was you saying, Brian? I was going to say the the Mumler photographs are classics of those. I mean, there were spirit photography was huge back at you know the late eighteen hundreds, and it's when people discovered how to do double exposures. It mm -hmm. was something easy to use, and that's something I try and tell people now. And that goes back to the your evidence is only as good as the, the credibility of the person giving it to you. Now, with digital photography, I, people come to me and they say, well, the file hasn't been altered. Look, it, nothing's changed on it. Well, if you know how to change things when you take the photograph, like they would have before digital, you don't have to. That and there's ways to alter images and not mess with the metadata on them. So... It, regardless of what we have, we need we need stricter controls, and we need we need something else. We're just, like you were saying a minute ago. We may be looking at it completely wrong. I think so. Well, let me ask you guys a question, just out of because you're both experienced paranormal people, and I'm going to go in left field here with something that I've been playing around with i know we're getting ready to run out of time but we're gonna if we go a couple minutes later i'm sure they don't care um but everybody is saying that everything and even to open portals and stuff like that it's electromagnetic electro this or electric this or energy this and augie you'll probably be able to back me up on this and brian you probably could too but it's a proven fact that gravity has is powerful enough to split the, the space-time continuum they've proven that scientifically through uh the black holes uh that that gravitational pull is actually strong enough to break into the space-time continuum. 
Has anybody ever thought that maybe we're looking at this the wrong way and these portals that are being opened isn't being done by electromagnetic uh, 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 efforts, but instead of gravitational efforts? Well, absolutely. Um, quantum physics has actually gotten quite a, f quite a long way into this because uh, they've done some experiments that prove just what you were talking about. There is more than one universe, and there's things in the others. And we are able to bridge that with some of the equipment that we have today. So that's where we need to look at. And uh, for, th for the ones that uh, don't want to develop the mind to the point where they can leave the body and go out and have a look at it, they need to use this equipment. And it's perfectly possible to create equipment like that so you can take pictures from the other side, it can be done. Look at the guy in France, it almost cost him his life to take those pictures, they chased him out of town. So it can be done, but step out of the box to do it. Yeah. Okay guys, we only got three minutes left. Brian, you, I'm gonna give you one of the last words and I'll give Augie the last word too. What do you wanna to say to people who are just getting into the paranormal field? And when you get done with that, tell us how to contact you in case they, anybody wants to get a hold of you. You know, my words of advice are don't. You're just going to beat your head on a rock for the next rest of your life. Uh, but <laughs> you know, if you're interested, I think the, the big word of advice is go take some classes. Go get an education. Go, go study physics. Go study photography. Go study audio engineering. Go study geology. Go study all of these things so you can apply them and actually do some real research. You know, even studying history, that's really important. Historical research is a huge part of what we do. And, yeah, if anybody's got any questions, uh, they can pop over to our website, RockyMountainParanormal.com, and there's a lot of information up there. All right, Augie, same thing. Give us some advice for people who are getting into the field, what you suggest for them to do, and tell us again your website and how to get a hold of you if they want to you know, ask yeah, you any questions. I, I would say um, just a quick one. There was a dean at a medical, uh, medical school on the East Coast on the graduation day. He told the students, you have graduated from this medical school. You're going to do very well in your future. The only problem is that what we have taught you Half of it is not true, and we don't know which half it is. So, same thing with science. Half of what you have learned is not so. If you start looking into the higher sciences, like quantum mechanics, you'll find out that maybe there wasn't the truth. Start learning the truth and reach for the horizon in quantum mechanics and read books that is written out of the box, like um, my book here on spiritual science, Higher Conscious Thinking and How to Access the Universal Consciousness. It will teach you how to use your mind in ways that uh, you couldn't imagine. Photographic memory and many other things. So uh, get out there and like the guy before me said, learn, go to school, reach for the horizon, because the horizon is there. And I tell you, what's on that horizon, it'll blow your mind, so just go for it. Give us your website again real quick, Augie. That's uh, www.universal-consciousness-show.com. 
Now, I'm going to thank both of you, Brian and Augie, for being on with us tonight. Now, I'm going to need you guys to hopefully be on next week, too, to call in and help me out. Because, like I said, uh, PhD man Ben Davis is going to be on here, and he's going to he's going to attack me with some scientific stuff. So I made some backups. So I hope you guys will listen in and hopefully help me out. <laughs> but anyway, folks, listen, this is the Kentucky Ghost Hunter, and it is now time to sign off. But I want you to uh, know if you want to get a past copy of this show or you want to learn up our upcoming guests, just go to KentuckyGhostHunter.com. That's spelled out, KentuckyGhostHunter.com, and you can like us on Facebook from that site and uh, Twitter and all that stuff. LinkedIn, we're on all that. And uh, Brian and Augie, thank you very much for being on. Kevin, hey, buddy, thanks for being on again tonight, Kevin. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah, guys, and uh, this is the Kentucky Ghost Hunter. Don't forget, next week, 9 o'clock Central Time, we'll be right here doing our thing. So until then, we'll see you next week.